0: i still think that we're uh we're building something here um every day uh, we're not done i think we need to um have our kind of the top players to to buy in and be the top players every single day
1: 803 on a thursday happy thursday everybody halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650 Alfred and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. Laddie and A Dog are grooving right now. I know we don't have a live stream, but let me tell you, if you understand what grooving looks like, you're picturing Laddie and A Dog right now. This is
2: like a Rocky
0: workout montage. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm hearing yeah. Bo
3: Burnham, like, you know, it's kind of his style.
0: I'm here in Rocky. A lot of rocky, rocky right now. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I guess I made a mistake. It's not the Snowbirds down in Seattle. It's the Snow Kings. It's been a while for me. I do remember. My, God, my memory obviously can't be trusted, but I do remember playing in arena in an arena down in Seattle against the Snow Kings. That I believe was like a converted grocery store. Like it used to be a Safeway.
2: It's like the Coyotes arena. Yeah, it's like it the guy. That joke now. was sitting out there. I'm glad yep. you took it. Well
3: it's actually a spirit Halloween now.
0: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, though the whole point is that hockey, ice hockey, is a niche sport down in Seattle. It still is. Right? It, the, kid, the kids down there play football. They play baseball, um, basketball, basketball, soccer, uh, but not many of them play hockey. Right? Maybe that'll change. And you don't necessarily need to have that in order to be a successful NHL market. Look at a market like Tampa Bay. That's a successful NHL market, but they've had a really good team. And it's been a well-run operation there. Uh, It's going to be a challenge in Seattle. It's not just if you build it, they will come. Uh,
1: we've got a lot to get to in the final hour of this program. Brendan Batchelor patiently on hold here. We'll join him in a second. I need to tell you that hour three, the final hour of this program is brought to you by Campbell and pound real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell pound.com today to the phone lines. We go, we are joined now by the play by play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. He will be on the call tonight when the Canucks take on the Kraken in Seattle. It's Brendan Batchelor here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What
4: up, Batch? How's it going? It's going well, and I definitely remember playing in that arena that was an old grocery store as well. Oh, yeah,
0: a lot of uh, people texting in right now. The Safeway rink was in Linwood.
4: (laughs) Okay. It was a long time ago for me. Uh, I can remember playing a couple of tournaments down there for sure. And They do have a, a nicer, newer arena now. Uh, but I, I seem to recall playing in, in the old grocery store as well at some point.
0: But don't you agree that it's not going to be just an automatic, the Kraken will be successful in that market with all the competition that they've got there, and then just the overall interest in the actual sport of hockey? Uh,
4: for them to be relevant, assuming the NBA is going to come back at some point in the long term competing with you know, the Mariners and the Seahawks as well, they're going to have to be good. So they're going to be one of those teams that when they're good – people come to the games, and when they're not, uh, you know, the 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 new wow factor, I guess, with that, that team is going to wear off eventually. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can get on a path where they can be competitive quickly with guys like Beneers and Wright, because if they can do that and if they can do it before the NBA comes, then that's a big opportunity for them to grab some of the interest in that market to convert people that aren't necessarily diehard hockey fans right now into diehard hockey fans, but you know, much like NHL teams in many American markets, if they're not a good team, they're not necessarily part of the conversation.
1: Uh, I have a, something to admit here. Yesterday, I was constantly refreshing the Brendan Batchelor Twitter page at Batch Hockey <laughs> because there was a million things going on at the rink, both in and around practice. And you had it all. You had all the lines. You had all the injury updates, and then you had a lot of quotes from Canucks general manager Patrick Alvine who I would classify had an impromptu meeting with the media yesterday. Let's start there. I know that you tweeted out a bunch of the rather key points that Alvin made. What was your big takeaway from hearing the Connect's general manager meet with the media yesterday?
4: Well, there there wasn't a lot there, and I know you guys kind of jokingly call him Johnny Tightlips, and it was kind of another one of those availabilities where he said a lot of things but didn't say a lot of things while while speaking. Um, you know, I, I thought the, the vote of confidence in Boudreaux stood out although it it wasn't the most, uh, you know, firm vote of confidence. He didn't come out and say, absolutely, Bruce has our 100% full support. There's not going to be any changes. So I thought that was interesting that that the vote of confidence was a little soft. Uh, In terms of, of talking about the rebuild, I'm not really sure what to take away from his comments about that because he sort of implied that, hey, we did a rebuild in Pittsburgh And we won three cups and it was great. Um, And we're still building here is is sort of the way he characterized it. So, uh, you know, I guess maybe he views like they are still in a rebuild here, although a lot of the moves they made in the offseason don't really indicate that. So, uh, you know, coming out of the the Alvin availability, I probably have more questions than I did before. And, um, you know, he's proved very adept at navigating the media side of things where if they don't want to reveal something or if he doesn't want to make a a firm statement on something, he doesn't do it. And I didn't really think he did yesterday.
1: I mean, it's hard not to look at everything that's been said since Rutherford went on after hours on Saturday and then Alvin yesterday and surmise that at the very least, very least they are not enthralled with the practice habits and the structure Mm -hmm. and the style of play that's currently going on. We actually also played the back and forth between Bruce and Ian McIntyre. It wasn't contentious or anything, but uh, IMAC asked the question about structure. Bruce then said, well, that's you guys in the media that are talking about that. To which IMAC rightly pointed out. He's like, no, Patrick Alvin, the general manager of the club, literally just said it moments ago. And you do wonder at a certain point that when the same things kept being, keep being said again and again. And the same things are being harped on. Again and again, something's got to break. Either the team actually has to change structurally or the guy in charge of the structure is not going to be long for his job.
4: Well, and I think they have changed structurally a little bit, which is probably part of the reason they've had some of these early season struggles. Uh, You know, Boudreaux kind of poo-pooed that line of questioning yesterday when asked about, the system, but then went on to admit that, you know, their neutral zone play is something they have changed. Yes. And I think, you know, defending in zone, you know, has been an issue for them at times this year as well, with some uncharacteristic mistakes that we didn't necessarily see them make with the same regularity that they have to start this season as they did last year. You know, this has never been a hallmark of of defensive reliability with this group in Vancouver, um, but there, you know, there have been multiple goals this year where there have been two guys chasing the puck towards one player, leaving another guy open. Um, and I guarantee you, that's not part of the system. But these defensive mistakes continue to happen, continue to cost this group games. And you know, whether it was Rutherford or Alvin, you know, a lot of the talking points were the same as they were at the end of last year or in the off season, which was practice habits, which was lack of structure, uh, you know, best players needing to be your best players. These are all things that haven't happened for this group to start the year. And it's, you know, a big part of the reason why they have yet to pick up a win. And, you know, as much as Alvin gives a vote of confidence and as much as Boudreaux puts on a brave face and says, you know, I'm not worried about that with every passing loss, The pressure ramps up on the management group to make some change or another, whether that ends up being a coaching change or a major trade or whatever it might be remains to be seen. But this is a pretty critical two game set they're going into here tonight, especially because, you know, the winnable game is tonight in Seattle or the more winnable game, I guess you would say, is against the Kraken. And then you're coming home to play a Pittsburgh team that had yesterday and today off here in Vancouver and will be rested. Uh, that's going to be a tough game tomorrow night. So, you know, if, if you don't find a way to get a result tonight, then you could be heading into the weekend at 0-9. And, and if that happens, I think all bets are off in terms of what this organization might do.
0: Batch, I, I can't get over the dynamic between the management and the head coach right now. I, I can't remember any situation like it. In Vancouver, uh, my memory isn't great, but I can't remember any dynamic like it in other sports. Um, you mentioned the, you know, there wasn't much of a vote of confidence from Patrick Galvin for Bruce Boudreau yesterday. All he said really was like, we're working closely together. And you're like, "And you know, the response was, well, I hope so. You know, like, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I hope you guys are talking about the team. That, that that would make sense. But it's just seemed so obvious Uh, that this management group doesn't have Bruce Boudreaux as its choice of head coach. So, like, how is this all going to play out? It just seems weird to me, and it seems dysfunctional.
4: Yeah, it does a little bit, and that's part of what will happen when a management group comes in and they didn't hire the head coach. And, you know, even Rutherford admitted at the weekend that he thought that Boudreau only had a one-year deal when he came in. So, to a certain extent, I think their hands may have been tied in terms of bringing him back or not. And, um, you know, things have changed a lot in the last few months, but it's, you know, easy to forget that had they chose to not bring him back this year, it would have been a very unpopular decision within this market. Not that they should worry about that, um, but... You know, there's been a lot of of dysfunction that has kind of set up for the way this season has started, and it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to find a way out of it or steer out of it Um, because, you know, it it seems clear, at least in the immediate moment, that Boudreaux is going to stay behind the bench. And to be honest, I'm I'm not sure how big of a, a change getting rid of him would make At this point, you know, some of the underlying issues that I see with this group, you know, to me, a a simple coaching change isn't going to fix some of the defensive mistakes they've been making. And, you know, I think a big part of the conversation, too, is that not that Thatcher Demko has been bad to start this year, but he hasn't been stealing games for them like he did last year. And this was something that Alvin pointed out yesterday, too, quite rightly. Demko stole a lot of games for them last year and papered over a lot of the cracks. And, you know, now that he's, you know, at least to start this year, not been that unbelievable goaltender that's stealing games for them with regularity. You see some of the issues on the ice and, you know, it's it's played out in terms of the results where they don't have a win yet through seven games.
1: We're speaking to Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650 uh batch the one of the narratives that we had off the top about what's ailing these Canucks was it's everything and so we haven't even we're 15 minutes into the call we haven't even talked about the other big news of the day which was another slate of injuries for this mm-hmm. team and it's it's getting to the point where you're down to your eighth or ninth defenseman in the depth chart and you've got Sheldon Drees coming up and playing third line center like that it's it's bad it doesn't you know erase what's going on off the ice with the dynamic between the coach and management but it just feels like nothing is going right for this team right now and we got more of that yesterday when they announced that Curtis Lazar and Brock Besser were joining a handful of other guys on either injured reserve or long-term injured reserve
4: yeah uh, the good news with Besser is it sounds like it's not going to be long-term for him Alvin characterized him as day to day yesterday and and Boudreaux said that he thought he would be on the ice skating uh, today So, you know, going on IR, I believe for Besser can be retroactive to when he left the lineup, so it may not mean as much in terms of a a timeline for him. The Lazar one is concerning, though, because that's three to four weeks, according to Alvine. And, uh, you know, for a group that just moved JT Miller back to the wing... There was going to be a bit of reliance on Curtis Lazar to essentially be the, the third or fourth line center, depending on how you look at at, at the order of the lines and, and what your opinion is on what the third or fourth line is. But, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that, you know, they were going to lean on Lazar to play down the middle. Now they don't have him for, you know, potentially the next month. Uh, and it looks like, based on the way they skated at practice yesterday, that they're going to continue to go with J.T. Miller on the wing because, you know, from a personal perspective for him, it worked pretty well in the game against Carolina with him scoring both of the goals. So um, that's where Sheldon Dries comes in. He was called up and centered a line with Tanner Pearson and Niels Hoaglander yesterday. So, uh, you know, it's a big opportunity for him. But. You know, you look at the injuries this group is going through now and, you know, it's almost laughable with the number of key players they've got out of the lineup, how quickly, you know, the few injuries they have on the back end turn into, you know, Guillaume Brisebois being in the lineup and Jack Rathbone being in a a top four role after he didn't play at all on the road trip for this group. Uh, So, you know, as much as we can talk about everything else that's gone wrong with this team and the top players, you know, not not stepping up and helping this team win games, you know, the injuries are a very real factor and no one within the organization will want to use them as an excuse. But, you know, it's something that is hampering this team's ability to play to the best of its ability, and especially with Quinn Hughes out of the lineup, it really changes the complexion of the way they can move the puck up the ice from the back end so it's going to be a tough test for them and what Alvin said yesterday about their best players needing to step up and lead and be their best players becomes that much more prevalent with these guys that they have out of the lineup they have to rely so much more on Horvat and Miller and Pedersen and and these players to really carry the mail for them here with the guys that they're missing from the lineup right now
1: well on Demko That was The two things Mm -hmm. that he said were, one, last year a lot of our success was predicated on how great Demko was. And then two, well, our best players are going to need to step up and be our best players every night. I'm not saying he's calling out Demko, but he kind of is because that's the reality of the team. They're not going to win hockey games if Demko isn't really, really good. And so far, he hasn't been really, really good. All of these things that we're talking about here, that's the reason why the Canucks are the betting underdog Tonight in Seattle, that's why they're going to probably be the betting underdog Friday night when they host the Penguins. They're, you know, ravaged with injuries. They haven't won a game. There's a lot of reasons why. But from the Seattle perspective going in tonight, they will be the favorite. Your pre-scout on the Kraken real quick before we let you go. What are some of the things that you're looking for or we should be looking for for this team as they host the Canucks tonight?
4: Yeah, you know, they're a group that I think has, you know, had a little bit more success to start the year than than you would have expected. You look at the teams they've beaten, uh, L.A., Colorado, Buffalo, who the Canucks had a, a really tough time with. So, you know, just because it's the expansion Kraken in their second year in the NHL certainly doesn't mean that they're going to be uh, an easy out. Uh, especially with the, the lineup for the Canucks the way it is right now, as we've already talked about. Um, so, you know, when you look at, at their top six, you know, Matty Bennear is playing up the lineup with Jordan Everly and Jaden Schwartz. So he's obviously dangerous. He scored at a really good clip throughout his NHL career uh, to this point, and And he's always an exciting player to watch. So he's kind of who I'll be focusing in on. But, you know, you look at, some of the forward depth of the Kraken and they may not have the you know premier top talent players that some other teams do. But, you know, they've got Andre Burakovsky on, and Oliver Bjorkstrand on one line. As I mentioned, they've got Beneers with Schwartz and Eberly, And then they've got McCann and Gord playing essentially on their third line. And those are guys that have proven that they can produce too. So um, it's going to be a test for the Canucks. It's certainly not going to be easy. And it is going to be very interesting to me to see how they're able to play and the result that they get tonight. Because as I already alluded to, tomorrow's game is a tough one against a rested Pittsburgh team it's the second half of a back-to-back for you uh, as the Canucks and I'm going to be really interested to see how Bruce Boudreau manages the goaltending because we expect Spencer Martin to play one of these two games but I almost wonder if you look at throwing Martin to the proverbial Wolves against the Penguins tomorrow night and putting Demko in tonight in Seattle just because you're so desperate for a win and tonight is the game where you're more likely to get it
1: Batch, thanks a lot for doing this today, bud. We appreciate it. Have a good call tonight and tomorrow night. We'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. That's Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, so to reset, we are going to give away a pair of tickets to that game, as mentioned. Tomorrow night, Canucks and Penguins from Rogers Arena. That's when we do the Humanoid What We Learns. That's coming up. Uh, We will do ours very quickly. Laddie, A-Dog, do you have anything you'd like to bring to the table today, or are you guys tapped on what we learned? What
3: we learned, Marc-Andre Fleury has a funny way of saying hydrangea. (laughs) I don't know if you guys saw that. I saw
1: you tweeted this out yesterday.
3: (laughs) The Minnesota Wild put out a new ad for just the team and buying tickets, and it focuses around Marc-Andre Fleury. He crawls out of a giant bouquet of flowers. That have surrounded his uh, stall in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the fellow players, I like think it's Fred Gaudreau, okay. uh, says, No wonder your equipment smells so good. And then it cuts to a bit of a, an ad, and then it cuts back to them. And here's what he says Hey, is this a carnation? Actually, Freddie, it's an Idrangea. <laughs> he dropped the H.
0: That's just the French accent.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's a great commercial, though. It just shows off the personality of Fleury. I
0: love it.
1: You him. also tweeted out, Marc Andre Fleury, please never retire.
3: Is for that even, reason alone, is, for videos like that.
1: I've never even asked you this. I feel like, given your goalie background, we should have asked you this. Who is your favorite goalie of all
0: time?
3: I grew up a Marty Broder fan. Oh, okay. Very typical. Yes. Uh, I, I, by uh, correlation, I, I cheered for the
0: Devils. You know, my hydrangea didn't blossom this year. It's called an hydrangea? Yeah, just it's one? It's an hydrangea. Yeah, it's in the backyard. It's a single it one? It didn't blossom because of all the weird weather. Hmm.
3: So I'm always calling it an hydrangea from now on. Yeah. My hydrangea
0: did not (laughs) blossom. I'm hoping for better results. Ruff's humble brag that he has a backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well,
2: well, look at you in your backyard. He has a hydrangea. Full of hydrangeas.
1: (laughs) One singular flower. Okay, moo-cow that. Hey, dog, you got anything? That was going to be mine. Okay. (laughs) Let's go with that from now on. We should really Um, talk about
3: this before the show. (laughs) No,
1: that's good because we go from flowers to grass. How clever. Uh, my what we learned is that Seattle Seahawks coach, there is some noise. Seattle Seahawks coach. Oh Seattle Seahawks coach. <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, right why aren't we streaming? Nothing makes Bruff lose his why mind. Aren't we like
2: hearing Halford's audio go off. I
1: don't like ESPN's auto plays. My my what we learned about grass is that Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll and safety Quandre Diggs said that they want the NFL to reexamine whether stadiums should use exclusively natural grass. Now this is a debate that has got a lot of different like, permutations and ramifications to it. The reality of it is is it's a hell of a lot easier to maintain turf. I think we can all agree on that, right? Yeah. That's the reason the majority of the teams have it, is that it takes a lot less care, and the field doesn't get annihilated by weather when you have turf. And a lot of
0: teams have domes. Yes, and you need turf. It seems important to mention. Yes.
1: Now, here's the other thing, though. There is a rise in injuries, and it's been steadily increasing over the last few years. Uh, and now that conversation has kind of gone towards head injuries as well. Because what we're seeing is a lot of guys, when their head bounces off the turf, mm-hmm. they end up in concussion protocol. Um, this is a trickle-down effect to Vancouver and specifically uh, like youth soccer in the area. Because with our weather, I don't know if you've realized it's kind of raining a little bit mm-hmm. lately. Yep. It makes sense to have turf fields across the lower mainland. Do they use gravel fields
0: anymore? We there were are playing on gravel fields. Yeah, so
1: did I. There are some. Right. They are like... They're considered like, like you just, if you have to go on, being
0: a goalie on a gravel field was basically impossible unless you wanted, you just didn't train.
1: I remember, because I was a goalie growing up, and it's like, we're training, it, we're practicing no, on but, gravel. like, why
0: would you, like, I'm not diving for that ball, this is, this is youth soccer, it's, I'm not getting...
1: I played with a guy growing up that pretty much made his reputation on the fact that he would dive on gravel. On gravel. He just had no, like, wits about him, he didn't yeah. think about the, the turf, bur- or, sorry, the burns, and the scrapes, and the cuts, and it's the not, bruises. It's
0: not the burns, it's like the pebbles that get, like... I don't know they puncture your yep. skin.
1: Yeah, you, yeah, you're all, you're bleeding from your knees and your elbows yeah. because you're just getting all torn up. But- At any
0: rate, turf though, I mean, this has been an issue in professional sports for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the turf is a lot better than it used to be when BC Place was um, first built. The turf there was essentially like I don't know how thick it was. It was like a very bad carpet. Like yes. it was, a, it was, it was honestly a carpet, mm-hmm. and it was incredible. Uh That players would actually play on that mm-hmm. it really was that 's why they had such big shoulder pads back um, in the eighties
1: <laughs> or the old baseball highlights like the Dome yeah. style, where a ball a bloop would be hit into center field and they would have a gigantic twelve foot bounce yeah or the dome
3: you 'd see like the cuts taken out of the t- it's yeah. just literally just like carpet because it was concrete
1: up. the The numbers that they were citing, Carol and quandre Diggs and uh j c treder who 's the NFLPA president, is that um there 's a twenty eight percent increase. And the, the ones they're talking about are the non-contact injuries where someone plants in the turf and it's like an ankle or an ACL or something. Mm-hmm. Because turf doesn't have the same sort of natural give. The grass does.
0: Yeah. And you you hear uh, fields described as slippery or sticky. Mm-hmm.
1: Sticky's a big one.
0: Sticky is a problem. BC Place em- has that issue. It's sticky. It's very sticky. So, like, you will plant, and then the turf will, like, I'm going to keep your leg there.
1: When MLS games were going on in the summer, a lot of the opponents came in and said, "When that place gets hot and the grass gets really sticky,
0: mm. the
1: ball sticks, and uh, your foot when you're trying to plant move foot your sticks. foot seriously." I, I, this is, feels like it causes injuries. These are real issues for players. It Utah. causes
0: fatigue too, doesn't it? Like, I've I've actually never, I've never in my life, uh run around or played sports on astroturf. I never have, but what I've heard from people is that their body feels exhausted for days after compared to when you play on a grass yep. field. And
1: a lot of joint pain. And you get a lot of like my, my kid plays youth soccer. He's on turf almost exclusively. He now, needs
0: a, he needs a knee replacement already. Yeah,
1: he's 11. He needs a new knee. It's <laughs> tough, but we'll find him one somewhere. No, like it's you're getting kids younger and younger kind of suffering these injuries that you'd expect of adults like torn ACLs and you know massive ligament damage and you know Achilles tendons injuries and it's largely a byproduct of turf I can't imagine that there's going to be this rush for NFL teams to all go out and go to natural grass I think it's 14 of 30 right now have natural grass because remember some are sharing uh stadiums but well and then
0: some of the stadiums that you also have to mention they've had real issues with their natural grass look at the San Francisco 49ers right they have a terrible field. Or they did. I don't know if they figured it out. But it's complicated. You get one rainy day and then you gotta you gotta fix the field for next week because it's just a mud bowl. Yeah. It it can be challenging, but I know that there aren't many players in the NFL that would be like, Yeah, I would rather play on turf than even a muddy field. mukau the grass talk.
1: Cows eat grass. See, everything came full circle there. It's really good. Uh, coming up, we're going to give away the tickets to the Penguins and the Canucks. We're going to do Humanoid What We Learns. Get yours in. Dunbar Lumber Text Line 650, 650. It is the Smalt Alternative. It is the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol.
0: If you're going through Langley, a truck is a flat tire.
1: Highway
4: 1 westbound after 248th and 2 problems in Surrey. A crash is 72nd at 130th, affecting west and northbound. And then an accident is 128th north of 80th in the northbound left lane and southbound left turn lane. You're going to find a crash southbound midspan on the Knight Street Bridge. From coast to coast to coast, Canadians know Cumernity, the Pfizer BioNTech COVID 19 vaccine. Get your next dose, one recommended in your area. Learn more at cumernity.ca. In the City News, 1130 Air Patrol, I'm Don Powers. Hey,
1: everybody. Mike Alford here for the Delari family of Accurate dealers. Uh, I am living the high tech life in my new 2022. RDX. What do I mean? I mean all the signature tech features in the car like Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, the true touchpad interface, and of course my favorite feature of them all, the wireless phone charger. Don't take my word for it though. Go test drive one today. The 2022 RDX. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today.
2: Sell off vacations. We know about staying covered on vacation. You know, big hats, sunscreen, sunglasses. The right coverage can also help protect your vacation.
0: Now for my favorite part of the show. What well, that say? Talk to the audience. Oh god, this is always dead. Eight
1: thirty-five on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halfred and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari Difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. Uh, hour three of the program, halfway through, what we learn is coming up next. Hour three brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell Pound.com today. Okay, Humanoid What We Learn's time. Let's fire up the dot matrix. We will begin with Ryan in Yaletown. Hashtag WWO what we learned. Chicago and Arizona are as bad at tanking as Vancouver is at being competitive. So the Arizona Coyotes, well, we can talk about their uh, arena situation in a second here. Chicago is the more interesting one because they've won four straight, and they're going to be featured fairly prominently tonight in the first of the doubleheader with the Canucks game. It's Edmonton and Chicago, so Connor McDavid and the Oilers coming to town. Uh, we kind of mentioned this yesterday. It's, it's not sustainable. Like, the numbers that you see there are not sustainable. The leading scorers are Taylor Radish, Philip Kurishev, and yeah. our good friend Jason Dickinson. But and they're now, also going to trade Patrick Kane at some And point. they're going to deal him by the deadline, you would think. Well, they
0: might deal them sooner if they keep winning
1: games. <laughs> You're doing too much. Please stop. Taves, too. Yeah, Taves scored the other night in that the fourth consecutive victory that they got. Um, and there's been a couple of what we learned about the Arizona Arena, which we talked about yesterday. In which I, I kind of jokingly, not jokingly, referred it to Kensington Arena. Mm-hmm. But I've realized that was unfair to Kensington Arena because it actually has dressing rooms to the visiting teams.
0: Yeah, so I guess some video was published um, of them setting up the... Were those the visitors of dressing rooms <laughs> or just vis- everyone's dressing well, those rooms? Those were the visiting room drapes. That's what right. that was. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the gym... In the movie Revenge of the Nerds, where all the nerds had to sleep because the Alpha Beta's <laughs> burned down their frat house. Yes. And then that's they right. moved into, I guess, the freshman dorm. Yeah. And the freshman dorm, everyone got kicked out of the freshman dorm. Once again, a very timely movie reference for me, but it, it honestly looked like it.
2: That was a film? That was a film that
1: was made? Revenge of the Nerds?
0: Ah, uh, yes. Yes, that's right. I think come it's on, sort of. Come in, on. Man. I think You're it's... not that young. You've seen Revenge of the I Nerds. I actually haven't seen that one. What?
2: No, I haven't. I mean, I know it well because of all the parodies over the years, but that wasn't one of those... Eight, I'm, I'm a 90s kid, right? So right. that was one of those 80s movies that was it was just before my
0: time, and for whatever reason, I've just A lot of it has not held up well over time. I was going to say. that. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah.
1: It's become somewhat questionable in terms of, <laughs> of material and content. And,
0: yeah, there's, there'd be... the Even the nerds would have been canceled yeah, in every <laughs> culture. Gruff strikes me as a police academy guy. Not the nerds. <laughs> oh, I loved police academy. <laughs> you, you loved academy. those movies, didn't you? Absolutely I knew it. I absolutely loved police it. academy. Yeah. Yeah,
2: those probably don't have, up either. <laughs> that first one I have seen, and you're right it does not hold up well at all.
0: Uh yeah, the the Arizona Coyotes situation though. I am going to be curious to see how much the visiting players complain about this. You know, forget the guys that have to deal with it um all year. They might be less likely to complain because, you know, they work for the Coyotes. They they don't, you know, right. it's 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 their team and behind the scenes they might be upset and they might want to, you know, have some complaints, but um, it's the visiting teams that I think will just be like, I can't believe that we're doing this. Imagine the
2: on-ice chirping from the opponents for their yeah. own games. It's going to be ruthless. Okay, mm-hmm.
1: so the Arizona media, uh, specifically Craig Morgan, who's with Phoenix Sports. We've had him on a, a billion times. The the common refrain when everyone is like, how is the NHL letting this happen? is Craig Morgan is often leading the calls on this one. They're like, well, everyone knew about this. This isn't anything new everyone knew about all of this. You guys are just seeing the visuals play out in real time now, but everyone knew that this was how it was going to go. I don't think that's a great explanation because you can't really understand something when you're just trying to conceptualize it. Mm-hmm. You have to like the, the reality. You and have when to you see it, it, yeah, it's like when these videos come out after the fact and like the Draymond green incident, a great
0: example with yeah. Jordan Poole. It sounded bad until you saw the video and then it was a lot worse. Can you imagine if their arena deal falls through though? too like this is they've gone down the road before on getting arenas built and then they something happens and and it doesn't happen um you know this thing still isn't finalized like they don't have shovels in the ground to build a big boy arena no which is why they're in this situation right now uh, Chaitan and Surrey. what we learned, oh, the things I would do to be Ben Simmons right now, getting paid $30 million to play in the NBA. And all you have to do is go out and get as many points as fouls and just pass the ball to Kyrie and KD, then call it a night. It's
1: tough right now. So I don't know if you saw last night, there was a cat call. I can't remember if it was a, a, a player on the opposition's bench or someone from the crowd. He caught the ball and then it was one of those quiet moments on the floor. And the boom mic picked up. Shoot it, Ben! And it was awful to watch because I thought it was Kyrie,
0: Kyrie yelling that. I, yeah, I don't know did who it was. Did Kyrie pass it to it, pass it, him the ball?
1: Yeah, and then so after the game, mm. he pled, pleaded, pleaded, pled. Ple- was he charged with murder pleaded. or something? What's pleaded. going on? Pleaded. What did he plead? He pled with plead. fans to give Ben an effing chance. Oh, that okay. was the quote that he put out there. Uh, and then Steve. Okay, we got the audio. Get this. We got Steve Nash. He got, also, he got. kicked out. He didn't got he? kicked out in the aftermath. His message was, "I hope Ben Simmons can find joy playing basketball again." <laughs> These are this is where it's at. So you've got the audio of what we heard from the floor. Okay, throw it out there. Now Irving sees a seam, drops throw it, it off. Simmons dishes. Durant from. Yes, so it was Kyrie Irving begging Ben Simmons to shoot. Uh, it's not going great for the Brooklyn Nets. You know who else it's not going great for? The Los Angeles Lakers, who are now very much like the Vancouver Canucks. They are winless to start the season, although they're only 0-4. I
0: get a text in. I'm so confused every time you guys bring up a movie. Sincerely, a 20-year-old listener waiting for their university class to start. Well, you know what, 20-year-old listener? I'm confused by your generation. That's just the way it is. Not in a bad way. I just don't understand it, and I don't care for it.
1: Well, yeah, I'm waiting for you to drop a Family Ties reference because we haven't had one of those in a while, Mm. an Alex P. Keaton reference. Mallory's. That's Nick, right? That's, That's Nick. That's Nick, yeah. You remember that show, A Dog? Family Ties? Yeah, that one I remember. There you go. Okay, good.
0: I can't believe you haven't seen Revenge of the Nerds. I haven't.
1: You have to go home and watch it. I don't uh, know. Can you even get it
0: in traditional rental? It actually form has anymore? a good message at the end about bullying. Okay. Ner- and, but you were always the bullies, <laughs> and several other. Yeah, I was one of the alphabetists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nerds.
3: I'm going to echo what our text inbox is saying. With anytime you reference a movie that's way before our times, okay, boomers.
1: Yeah, Whatever we get you that say? A lot. We'll we're take. We're your getting more it more and more, which I don't care for. Marty the Red with a What We Learned hashtag. W W L What We Learned. V A R is the worst thing that's happened to soccer. It's sucking the joy out of the game, and I'm not even a Spurs fan. Uh, Tottenham's Harry Kane scored at the death yesterday, which looked like it had given them a win deep into added time. And then they went to VAR and even on replay, it still wasn't really clear that there was an offside because it looked like the ball that Emerson headed across was either at the very least even, or maybe even backwards. And all the Spurs players were yelling, we're watching the same replay you are. How are you coming to this decision Right? when it's pretty clear that that's not very clear cut. Antonio Conte got red carded. Um, it's going to be really, really fascinating to see how much of an impact VR is going to have at the world cup, because it has been, I, everyone just thought that the controversy would kind of go away and that it would become a part of the game that people got used to, mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. I think eventually they will be, but it's still too new and it's still affecting too many matches of great importance where I'm going to be fascinated to see what's the, the worst-case scenario is it comes down to, like guess, the, the, the championship final, and there's a massive VAR call that swings the decision for the World
0: Cup. Did you watch Champions League yesterday?
1: Bits and pieces here okay. and there, yeah.
0: Because here's what we learned. I learned that Atletico Madrid were eliminated from the Champions League in one of the craziest endings to a match. Do you yeah. know what happened there?
1: Carrasco took a penalty. It was uh, Atletico and Bayern Leverkusen. It's was mm-hmm. 2-2. Atletico needed the victory to go through to the next round. Okay. Carrasco, who's Belgian, by the way. So it's good for his confidence to be sunk going into the World Cup. Okay. He took a penalty. It was saved. One of his teammates rushed in to head in the rebound. That crashed off the crossbar. Mm -hmm. A third Atletico player hit that rebound, directed it on goal. But I think it hit Carrasco, who was still bemoaning the fact that he missed. Sorry, am I in the way now? And then it went out of bounds for a goal (laughs) kick. And then the match was over. And then they had wow. they had video from Porto on the plane mm-hmm. watching because they needed that result to go their way to get through. And they were going ballistic. <laughs> so Russell um, Wilson
0: was on the plane doing high knees. Th- yeah.
1: And he was like, guys, what's going on? I'm just stretching. And then the crazy part of all of this, with all of this done now, uh, La Liga, Spain, mm-hmm. one of the biggest and greatest leagues in the world. Has one team Real, in that's the round it? of 16? That's it. No bar- Are they for
0: sure? They're for sure through because Barcelona's out. No Barca. Should no Atletico. Scotland? Should Scotland be allowed two teams into the Champions it League? Feels right like now? a lot. But Celtic won- and Rangers didn't even come close. They won their way
1: in. They had to qualify just oh, to get to this stage. Oh, I see. So, so they, they weren't given the automatic. They, they earned the complete and royal thrashing they got in the group stage. But yeah, they they got in. So there's your uh, very comprehensive Champions League wrap up.
0: Uh, Fawns in Vancouver. What we learned, I started my two-week vacation to Australia the day the season started and joked, wouldn't it be funny if I came back and the Canucks hadn't won a game? I came back and learned the Canucks had not won a game. I'll be watching tonight. I hope I'm lucky. Not so funny now, is it, Fawns? Not so funny
1: now. We, we had the conversation offline. We've had many conversations offline today, but we had a conversation offline about really quietly, like, when is this going to end? Mm-hmm. When is this losing streak going to end? Well, they're,
0: they're betting underdogs tonight in Seattle. They're going to be underdogs tomorrow against Pittsburgh. You know, without Quinn Hughes on that blue line, man, how many teams would they really be favorites against? Maybe Arizona at home? It's a bad situation right now. And I just wonder how long they're going to have to just grin and bear it. I think they're going to win some games over the next little while, but yeah. but the whole the whole vibe uh, of the season isn't going to be rescued unless they go on one of those unlikely you know nine game winning streaks that they did when Bruce Boudreaux took over. Well, and that was that was very unlikely, and it seems unlikely that they're going to do it again, because even if they do win a, win a few games, like they've they've dug such a big hole that they have to win a bunch of games in order to get back into this race. And I really wonder, we do the vibe check,
1: what it's going to be like on Friday. Because it's it's back at home. It's in front of what should be a fairly near-capacity crowd because it's a yeah, traveling road show that is Sidney Crosby and the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins on a Friday night.
0: I'm, I'm going. I'll be, I'll be in the press box. Like, cause I, cause, uh, and honestly, it's partly to see the reaction of the crowd, but it's also partly to see Sid because I don't know how many times they're going to be able to see this guy again. And what happens if the Canucks get
1: skunked again? These are very real questions, by the mm-hmm. way. This isn't doomsday prepping nope. or anything. They are. They, <laughs> here's the thing. When you don't win any of your first seven games, it's fair to suggest that you might not win the eighth or the ninth. Especially Especially with
0: with the injury issues that they've got. Uh, Patrick and Langley, what we learned, hybrid theory should be the name of the Canucks plan, Uh if they have one. It's not a rebuild or retool, and it feels like it's been 20 years since they were good.
1: So that's, uh, one, a very clever allusion to my Linkin Park reference from earlier. Well played. And this all
0: started with Laddie tweeting something about Hybrid Theory.
1: Laddie loves Lincoln Park. He loves new metal, but mostly Lincoln Park.
3: I was listening to my vinyl.
1: Oh, you I have Lincoln
3: Park pulled out the Hybrid Theory. Mm-hmm. And it years turned out to be ago. the twenty-year anniversary. Yeah, I didn't even know.
0: And you just decided to tweet about that?
3: You're and just I, like, it really don't you just, follow Laddie? It irked half You didn't follow me till like a week ago. I
0: know. I know. And <laughs> yeah. now I did. <laughs> no, I I, I, follow, I, mean, I follow him. Yeah.
3: And now it's fodder for the show, so you should have done it sooner.
1: That text is also our winner, if I'm not mistaken, right? Ding It ding, is. Congrats ding, yep.
2: to Patrick and Langley. You have won the Canucks tickets.
1: He seemed very happy about it when we told him, which yes, is great. He was. Yeah. We like to give some sort of joy on this program instead of talking about how long the Canucks losing streak will be extended and how it coincides with the tickets that we just gave one of our listeners. Please kill me. Yeah.
0: Mike, the urologist from Brockville, what we learned, Alveen and Rutherford's comments are clearly and consistently criticizing coaching. Man, that is some good alliteration for Mike, the urologist from Brockville. Comments are clearly and consistently criticizing coaching. The only thing keeping Bruce in his position is the unwillingness of ownership to pay the salary of a third coach. Players, coaching, management, and ownership are a complete Maelstrom, wow, of dysfunction. You read that pretty well because that's a tough one. I think he was intentionally trying to
1: trip you up, but you got through it, mm-hmm. and you got maelstrom, which I would have called a malstrom. Yeah. Um. So Friede in thirty two thoughts had what he thought would be the payout if they were to fire Boudreaux. So they they was, half a million
0: bucks something along those lines. It was two
1: point five million for Green, and mm-hmm. then I think one point five for Bruce. So a grand total of four million for coaches oh, that aren't okay. going to be in your employ. Right. So that's, that's why he's coaching. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think the other part of it, though, too, is I think that management was maybe worried that what happens if they don't bring Bruce back and they bring in, quote unquote, their guy, and what happens if the Canucks get off to the start like they did, right? Like, it, as crazy as it sounds, it would be worse for management if they had fired Bruce and the Canucks had had this start. They'd be like, "What were you You got rid of the only good thing that this team had going for it. The Canucks turned their season around when they hired Bruce Boudreau. You fired him, and this is the result. You almost needed to keep Boudreau. This is going to sound super weird, but you almost
1: needed to keep Boudreau as proof of concept, meaning we knew that this team wasn't as good as it was under the Bruce bump. We had to bring it back under the exact same conditions just to make sure there is a weird way to conduct business. But it, if you look at it in that regard, it kind of makes sense. Cause you're right. If they go 0-5 and two under a different head coach, people are going to be freaking out. Like you had a guy that was winning at a 600 win percentage, like bring him back. And I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I got a feeling the easiest answer is inevitably if it keeps going this way and he has to go somewhere, it's either You just bump someone up from the assistant's chair to the head chair, or you bring Colton up from the American League and
0: let him be your coach. Rich texts in with what we learned. I seriously have to question where President Jim says, I didn't realize Bruce had more than a one-year contract. Rich is calling BS. Wouldn't that be one of the first things that Rutherford would know and ask is what the coach's contract is? Regardless of what the story is there. I I tend to believe Rutherford because it's such a crazy thing to admit. Um, and remember, if you want to go through how all this played out, this is my understanding of it, is that the Canucks were struggling badly mm-hmm. and there were calls for change. There were lots of calls to get a new coach. You remember those times. At the same time, there were calls to change management. Ownership had to deal with all these things at the same time. So he reaches out to Bruce Boudreaux. He's also reaching out to Jim Rutherford. But Jim Rutherford, I believe, was under the weather. And he wasn't, he was also like not convinced that he wanted to take the job. Like there was more conversations to be had about becoming the president of hockey ops or the general manager or whatever they were discussing at that time, replacing Jim Benning essentially. But. Ownership at the time said, listen, Jim, Like, I appreciate this is a big decision for you, but I got to do something here. Mm-hmm. So would you be okay with Bruce Boudreaux as the head coach? And Rutherford was like, yeah, okay. But he was probably thinking, yeah, just as a temporary measure. And Jim Rutherford was probably thinking, whatever, this season is done anyway. Like, they're, you know, he didn't expect Bruce mania. Right. He didn't expect Bruce there it is. He just kind of signed off on it and said, yeah, all right, yeah, sure, Bring in Bruce Boudreaux. Might not be my choice, but what do I care? Right? Like, yeah. I'm probably going to have to make some significant changes to this team. And there's no way this team is going to turn it around and almost make the playoffs under Bruce Boudreaux and put me in this situation. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Rutherford was kind of like, yeah, yeah whatever. It's a, as long as it's a one year deal, whatever, or whatever. Like, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. it, and it kind of was, you could actually call that a one year deal, but there was an option in there. Yeah.
1: Right? Just, that's just good agenting. It's good negotiating, because but it doesn't it doesn't speak to good communication
0: within the organization.
1: No, it speaks to Boudreau coming in and, like Alvin said, doing the things that he's known for. Be honest, he said he made them feel good about themselves, made it them feel like it was fun coming to the rink again, and they went on a heater and they won a lot of regular season games. That's Boudreau, really. Uh, here's Jordan L in Port Moody with a what we learned. Hashtag WWL. What we learned after the incident between Shannon Miller, maybe Dickinson, Holtby, and Schmidt were right about their assessment of this locker room. I do think that there's probably something to what Jordan L is saying here. I also think that it's hard not to look at this and say all of these situations and rifts and angst, it's all exacerbated by losing. Right when you're winning, this stuff doesn't get out and it doesn't become a big an issue. Mm-hmm. When you're losing, it feels like the biggest weight of the world, and that all these fractures and fi- you know fissures in the relationships they get amplified.
0: And fair enough, because are any of those guys on the record as saying the room was bro- on the record as saying the room was broken? I, I thought the main complaints from Holtby and Schmidt were organization related, and that was remember that was the nightmare all Canadian Division season. Where nobody was having fun, especially if they're on one of the Canadian teams. You know, Paul Maurice walks away from the job in Winnipeg. It was it was a bad situation, and I think Holtby and Schmidt were new to the organization. They're like, "What kind of operation are you running here?" I didn't know that it that they had made come. Correct me if I'm wrong here. There's been a lot of stuff written. There's the alleged. Correct me if I'm that, yeah. wrong though. Like, it, did they say that the room was broken? And we don't even know that it was it was Jason Dickinson that was spilling the tea about the Canucks room.
1: Right. I think the idea would be that two guys left the organization 1 year after coming in and were more than happy to go. Holby's famous line in the aftermath was it was only a few months but it felt like a few years. And then the reports from Colby Cohen out of Chicago right. about a fractured room. There's a lot out there folks. It's a tough time for the Canucks and for their fans. But hey, there's a game tonight and there's a game tomorrow. We will be back tomorrow when the music tells us we got to go away. For now, but for tomorrow, we'll be back and it's Friday. So, a reminder it's Ask Us Anything Friday. Uh, but we got to go signing off. I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
2: It's time for another death march. <laughs>